you can't take things for granted. You have to keep working every single day to hopefully get to a point where you say, I deserve to be where I am. Hello, people. Welcome to the community of the Growth Mindset Podcast. Guys, if you are a first-time listener, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss on more interesting episodes coming up in following weeks. And for our daily listeners, here we are again with a new episode where we will interview another interesting personality from a unique industry and understand how they were able to accomplish this great level of success. Remember, this is a podcast where we learn easy, practical methods and tips that we can implement in our daily lives from the very best and the most successful people known today. Because as we all know, success leaves clues. And we the people having the growth mindset will use these clues to create a better, more fulfilling and a successful life. So let the growth begin. First thing first, Uncle, thank you so much for taking your time out and joining us on the Growth Mindset Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, man. The pleasure is all mine. Awesome. So, uh, Uncle, I know uh, I know a lot about you and I'm also sure a lot of people know about you because you're from an entrepreneurship background. Your content is amazing. But for people who may not have heard about you, this is the first time, let's imagine, they are, they are hearing about you. How would you like them to know about you? What would be the first thing that you'd like to tell my listeners? I would like to identify myself as an entrepreneur. While that's something that I've been doing for the last 10 years, I think the mindset of an entrepreneur is something that I've had for a very long time. And through that mindset, I've played multiple roles and I've had multiple stints. The recent one of that was as the founder of Nearby.com, which is a startup that started in 2015, still continues to run by my two other founders. I run it on a daily basis. And the current avatar of my entrepreneurial mindset is the role of a content creator, that of an online teacher, that of a mentor and a guide to startup founders. Hmm, interesting. Now let's let's start off from from the Ankur Variku who wasn't very well known and you know delivering content and becoming the you know uh, one of the founding co-founding members of Nearby. How did all this journey begin? Like who instilled this this mindset in the first place? What? How was your family? How did you grow up? How was all that? Yeah, I. Um... I grew up in a in a very humble background where both dad and mom were were working. We never had enough money. It was always hand to mouth existence. But despite that, they made sure that my sister and I went to the best schools possible, got the best education, and I just saw both of them struggle a lot. So growing up, I used to think that. Money was the biggest reason for our unhappiness and money was the cause of most of our pain and misery. So I grew up, grew up in some way hating money. And, and when you hate money, there are these two directions that you can take. One is because you hate money, you want so much of it that you want to almost show the middle finger to money. <laughs> and the other one is that you hate money so much that you don't care how much you ever have of it because you're suddenly in some way above it. I don't know how you take either of these two paths, but I am so glad that the path that I chose was the latter where 
money never became important because I hated it and I disrespected it. And I think because of that, there is something hardwired which just constantly allowed me to be comfortable with taking risks. Mm-hmm. It was almost like the worst case scenario is not bad at all. That's the blessing that we had. And that's the privilege we were born in. Uh, and we ought to be grateful for that. So the only thing is we we just tie ourselves down to the pressure of performing and looking successful in front of someone else's eyes and constantly keep pandering to what the world's definition of success has been created for ourselves. But we never stop to pause and think of whether we know or have a definition of success for our own selves. And I think I just constantly kept chasing that. Like what what does happiness mean for me? What does success mean for me? So took some really, really crazy decisions or at least visibly crazy decisions which worked out well for me. And I I stand here just as a very lucky guy who was born in a certain family that gave me a lot of opportunities that made it easier. Interesting. And before you even, you know, came uh, to nearby, obviously you had tried a lot of different gigs. How many did fail? What did you learn? Like, how, let, let's start from failures because everybody sees Dhankur Variku successful today. What happened behind the scenes? How many times did you fail? Enough and more number of times that I have written an entire resume of failure, uh, which uh, which is available online. So all <laughs> that, just for Dhankur Variku failure resume and you'll get it online. Um, I really feel that Failure is a very important stepping stone to success. Failure alone isn't. And that's a big myth that people have. Mm. People think that because you are going to win, you But that's not true. Because every person is going to win, every person fails, but every person is not going to win. And there is, there is something that is between failure and success that ensures that that failure turns into success. And I think that is reflection. And we very rarely reflect upon our failures. We just either blame ourselves or blame someone else and we move on. But what I have done is thankfully spent a lot of time introspecting on my failures, whether it has been in the early years of wanting to get into IITs and never making it, whether to get into the universities that I wanted to in the US but never made it, whether it was trying to get into the MBA colleges that I wanted to but never made it, whether it was trying to get into the companies that I wanted to work with but never made it, whether it was the uh, the debts that I ran uh, ran into and, and the horrible money mistakes that I made and period of time where I was just living credit card of credit card. There are so many points where I failed myself and I failed people around me. But I think the only reason why I still stand here is is not because I failed, but because I, I chose to look at that failure and, and see what is it that I have to fix, what is it that I have to learn from, which helped. You talk a lot of sensical things. You not only talk about entrepreneurship, but you also talk a lot about life. Like, like I'm curious to understand from your, from your end as to where are you getting all of this? Is this like, you know, like, you understand people say to meditate and they get all these revelations. Do you also do that kind of sort of things and get all of these revelations or you consume a lot of books? How 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 does all this happen? <laughs> yeah. I while I meditate but I don't I, I have personally not experienced that level of just enlightenment <laughs> some sort of a zone where I am in that 
mode of creativity that everything just becomes obvious. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest reason why I'm able to reflect upon things is because I'm inherently a very curious person. So I keep I keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. And and those questions really help me. And those questions are questions pointed at myself, questions pointed at the world, questions pointed at thin air with with no basis. But I, I think it's the wiser individual is not the one who solves the problem, but asks the questions so that the questions solve the problem. And I think that's something that I've learned the hard way and it's helped a lot. So when someone say angry at me or when I am feeling a certain emotion, instead of reacting, instead of asking my emotion to stop, I would instead try and answer the question, why is that person feeling that way or why am I feeling this way? And I keep asking why, 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 why? And you almost inherently then land up at a spot where you can't break it down any further, but that's that's the reflection that you had to go through or that's the journey you had to undertake uh, to figure something about yourself that people haven't done. You are a lot more aware about your own self or someone else. And and that gives you the ability to empathize, that gives you the ability to do what it's worth. And that clarity really helps, that awareness really helps. Especially this this is important for entrepreneurs as well, right? People who want to start their own business. Like where should they start from? What are your tips? Since you you've gone through a lot of failures, let's say people who want to start their own business, what are your top two or three things that you think they should concentrate on? I think the biggest thing is to definitely focus a lot on the market and the opportunity itself. The one big mistake that people end up making is they seduce themselves or they trick themselves into believing that the opportunity they're working on is far bigger than what it actually is. And it's only once they start working on it, they realize that this isn't a big opportunity. This perhaps isn't a big business, but they are now stuck. And they're stuck because it's emotionally drawing they're stuck because they're perhaps financially stuck they're stuck because they've just invested so much time in it and that makes it really hard for them to get out so the next thing you know is that you feel this constant frustration that your time is going towards something that is not meaningfully large and we all feel that at some point of time first is the realization that the market is a really big and an important determinant of how you're going to feel working on your startup the second one is real it's almost is going to end up being about people. It's not going to be about product, it's not going to be about money, it's not going to be about technology, but it's going to be about people. And people would be people that work with you, people who you are building the product for, people that you are partnering with. It's ultimately going to be how comfortable you are dealing with people. Because if you aren't, then it's going to be a really intensely hard journey. And and you might not do well in it or you might not succeed so the the second piece is then about people and the third one really comfortable with uncertainty and ambiguity because things are not going to be certain things are not going to be laid out in a manner that you know step one then step two then step three then step four you have to figure out a path and that path may have been something that no one else has ever walked and you have to create that path for yourself and that is uh, fairly intimidating and overwhelming with a lot of people because most of us because especially in India because of the way that we have been trained at school we are all trained to be very prescriptive we are all trained this is a question this is the answer if you answer this answer then you get the full marks if you don't you don't yeah 
And thus, we're so habituated to being very clinical and methodical in how we approach things. And if there is anything that's open-ended, we we get very unsubtle. So these three things, in my opinion, are the important starting points to realize with them. Of course, there are clinical procedures that are required to start a company, but that's a, that's a simple Google search away. It's nothing yeah. that I will tell you that you wouldn't know. And and you, you spoke about a very important point, guys, wherein we deceive ourselves by thinking that whatever space we are in may be really big, whereas in real it may not. How do you identify that, okay, that maybe this is not that big space and maybe I'm going to spend, no waste my time. What do you think? How do, how do we identify that? That's a good question, yeah. And I've been guilty of that as well, so it's, uh, it's a bit hypocritical for for me to say it. But now that I, I realize where I was wrong, uh, the only way that you can actually find out the real answer is uh, going back to what I already stated, just being super curious and asking the right questions. So I'll give you an example. When we started nearby, we wanted to make sure that we were in a really large space. So we were like, oh, you know what? Nearby's market opportunity is the market size of all restaurants and the market size of all spas and the market size of all salons and the market size of all movie and entertainment and the market size of all amusement parks and the market size of all organized retail. And when you add that up, that's a massive market <laughs> to be in True. because it covers virtually everything that there is in the, in the universe. That's not the market we are in. The market we are in is actually the total industry size that I just spoke about. But how much is the marketing spend in all of that industry? Because that's what we are. We are the marketing platform for these industries. And that means if a business works with us and they make 100 rupees through us, they're going to only spend a percentage of that 100 on us because that's the marketing spend that they will do if they were to do it otherwise as well without us. And that number is like, what, 5% of the total industry. So suddenly, a market, when we had that realization, shrank by yeah. 120th of the number that we had, which is even if we then thought that the market was a $10 billion opportunity, we suddenly were just in a $500 million opportunity, which still is big, but it is dramatically yeah, different true. from pursuing a $10 billion opportunity. Yeah. And about you also moving, having your own, uh, you know, business and then moving into a social media space, becoming a content creator and influencer. I know personally a lot of people who are starting their own business and now majority of my listeners are either uh, people who have a full-time job and they want to have something like a side hustle and build their own business. What do you think people can do? Now, I want to break this into two parts. Let's first cover the first part when people have a full-time job. At the same time, they want to build something by hustling in the side. What do you think they should do? How, how should they prioritize? I think the biggest thing is treat the full-time job as your financial security mm. and don't put the pressure of making money through your side project early on. Okay. Because if you put that pressure on it, you're going to most likely either hate that journey or not be successful in it. My recommendation is it's a good thing that you have a job. Think of it just like a job, which means to <laughs> stop at that, right? Which is perhaps what you're doing as well. You have a job, it pays for the bills. It's something that may not give you fulfillment or maybe it gives you and that's fine. But there is a side project or a side passion or a hobby that you want to pursue. And what you want to do is give it time to see, and it's certain that it will happen, but it will take time, whether that 
side gig of yours can replace your job. Yeah. And that's what you work towards. And that, in my experience, is anywhere between a one to two year journey and not anytime sooner. And the best thing is because it's a one to two year journey, most people are not going to make that journey because they're like, it's far too long for them. <laughs> they want something overnight. They're like, I've started running a newsletter and a podcast or started creating content and I want to quit my job tomorrow. Sure. Not going to happen. Sure. Not going to happen. Sure. Because you haven't given it enough time for it to become something that generates money for you. Sure. It is fulfilling. So there are a lot of people who think that their side projects cannot become their profession and they are wrong. There are enough people who think that their side projects should become their profession immediately and they are wrong as well. And I think the wiser ones are the ones who say there is a profession that I have which is frankly just a job or a vocation at best because it pays for the bills. And there is a passion that I have, which is separate from these. And I'm going to work on my passion and slowly and slowly and slowly over time, make it into my vocation and my profession. And when your passion becomes your profession, that's where you want to be. That's like your ikigai. That's where it's the center of all the checks that you want for your for your life so i'd say if you have a job you're very blessed please make the most of it don't put the pressure of money on your passion for at least two years that is awesome the reason i asked you that question is uh, as i said most of my listeners are basically having a full-time job and trying to build a hustle, and i'm one of those as well so when we listen to this you know this because i know for a fact this is how it is working for me no pressure on the podcast side because if you put pressure that's when you know you're gonna fall and you're gonna try over that that's not now. I want to switch the second part of it. What I asked was around me. Now, but what about business leaders like yourself, people who have their own business, founders? If they want to become, uh, let's say, a social media or an influencer like yourself, how should be their approach? How should they navigate to reach to where you are? So there, it will only happen if you do it because it comes naturally to you, or it is part of who you are inherently. If you try and force fit, then it becomes another job. And if it becomes another job, then you have two jobs yeah. and you most likely will do a piss poor job or both jobs. <laughs> so I have consistently seen that the ones who do a great job of this are the ones for whom this is like work. That is like play. It's, mm. it's like, it's fun. It's, it's not something that is hard for them. It's not something that they have to think a lot towards. It's just something that comes naturally to them. And I think that that is a very, very important part of making it happen. Mm. Now, having said that, the truth is that there is just so much FOMO around because they are business leaders, they're founders, mm. and they're seeing other founders create great content and, and create this personal brand as well. So yeah. they're like, hai, kar rahe hai. what is it? And and there they start and it's most likely run by someone else or it's guided by someone else or it's not coming from a pure point of view. And then it just becomes either very stark that this is a farce, that they're not being themselves mm-hmm. or they're not consistent or disciplined about it or they suddenly have two personas that are very, very distinct from each other. And each of these three things is not any recipe for success in 
either content creation or creating a brand for yourself. Because you've got to be consistent, you've got to be authentic, and you've got to do it because it is natural for you. So, I'd say, play some other game. If this is not a game that comes inherently to you, play some other game. If you are going to play a game whose rules have been decided by someone else, you most likely are going to suck at that game. So why don't you make a game where you make your own rules? And it could be that, you know what, I am not good with getting on a video or getting in front of a camera, so I'm going to create a newsletter. I'm not good at writing, so I'm going to create a podcast. I'm not good speaking as well. So I'm just going to create a community of like-minded people where we just learn from each other. I'm not good at either. You know what? I'm just going to read my books and just create a book club where people can follow me and the books that I'm reading and perhaps have a conversation on that. I'm not good at that either. I'm just going to play a sport and just make myself at peace without, frankly, pandering to anyone outside or creating any Instagram post or anything like that. I just don't want that social persona. I am more than happy just being comfortable at my own end working out, meditating, sleeping the right hours, eating right, and doing everything that I need to do to be a great founder. And all of that works for you. It comes naturally to you. You don't have to stress or to create something dramatically different in your life to make that happen. It's just natural. So do something that comes naturally to you. Now, how did you find this? Because you've been a successful founder yourself, uh, Ankur. When did you realize your Ikigai? Because I, I, I heard the word Ikigai. Have you read that book, by the way? I have. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, when did you find your Ikigai? What, what, when, when did you feel that? I, I, I think the, the big thing about Ikigai is, my experience is you don't find your Ikigai, you, you grow into your Ikigai. Um, it's, a, it's a myth that we have to find something that is out there and we haven't found it yet. I feel real life is all about we grow into something that we always had, but we never really cared about it as deeply or never saw it for what it's worth. So for me, it was the same thing. Uh, I have been a public speaker for about close to 20 years now. And I was, I was a debater in school at college. I have never shied away from uh, having any public speaking experience come my way. I have been maintaining a blog since 2005. Wow. I've been blogging for 15 years. And none of that is visible to the world. And frankly, it wasn't for the world. It was just something that I was coming to. So most of what people see today seems like uh, something that I started recently, uh, but it has been in the works for decades. And, And all that I've done is just put up a cover, which is easily consumable. Because writing a blog is only appealing to people who want to read and not too many people want to read. They want to listen or they want to watch. And if that's the case, then you have to create content around that. But the content's not any different. If someone goes to my blog, they'll see that I've been blogging about the same things for the last 10 years. None of that has changed. Of course, my experiences have made me perhaps richer in how I see the same thing, but I'm seeing the same things and I have an opinion on most of them. So the video part of my content, which is what most people see today, came about in 2016, which is about five years back. And and that was when we did that, not for the intention of creating a personal brand, but for 
the intention of actually making nearby into a desirable place to work. We wanted to project a certain identity of nearby through its culture, through its leadership, through the way we do things, and through that hopefully attract the right kind of people to work with. So that was the intention. And I did that for four years, and some people knew of me, some people didn't, but we just kept working. And it served the purpose that we set out to achieve really, really well. And in 2019, when I stepped down as the CEO of Nearby, I saw the community that I had built and more importantly, the process that I had set around this content as something that could be taken forward. Mm. So I did that and the lockdown frankly helped because it just amplified the focus. Yeah. And, and most of what the world sees now of me is something that was doubled down upon in March of last year and and now is bearing fruit. True. Exactly. That's when even I noticed your work more and more uh, during the lockdown is when I realized that, you know, all work from your end is because personally I knew of you but I had not known you or, you know, reached out to you before because I, I had no idea. But last year is when I actually came to know that, yeah, you are giving all, all of these speeches and all of, uh, you know, the new content that you're putting out which are really helpful because I've seen you giving tips on entrepreneurship, life, you come to live and, you know, call people live, answer their questions. Pretty interesting stuff there because you, you're engaging your, 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 yes. your crowd and your audience, which makes them feel that, yeah, you're out there who's listening, right? Which is, which is amazing at yeah. their own end. Uh, yeah. talking about the, the social pressure. Now, all of us, let's say some are content creators, some of them are even just starting up, right? Uh, this is something that I asked the founder of Ikigai as well, by the way, because when I had him on my podcast, I asked him the same thing, stating, okay, first, let, let us tell what exactly is Ikigai. And you summarize the whole book in just, because that's exactly what he said. You don't have to find your Ikigai. It's, it's inside you already. You just have to grow towards it. And that's exactly sure. the word that you said. And, uh, talking about social pressure here, this, this is what I want to cover. Social pressure. How do we get rid of it? For, for example, now I'm starting off. All eyes are on you when you're starting off for the first time. And and you're more cautious. How do you get rid of How did you protect yourself? Because you're already established nearby founder and have a lot of many startups successful. People had more eyes on you. How did you get rid of that and focus on consistency and work? I, I think the, the, the key to that, Ishad, is if you truly know, know yourself, then you suddenly don't fear what people think of you. It's like, if I were to tell you, hey, Isad, your, your green hair looks awful on you. You're not going to take offense because you're like, I don't have green hair. What are you talking about? But if I were to say, you know what, Isad, you look fat. You might take offense because you're like, oh shit, it could be true. I may be fat. Or then I say, you know what, Isad, I think you're really sloppy in your work. And you might take even more offense because you're like, you know what? It could be that I'm sloppy with my work. So we never react when we're presented by a conclusive lie because we know it's a lie. But we almost always react when we're presented by what could be possibly a truth. And I think that distance is about knowing yourself and knowing deep enough. For example, 
I know that I will feel anger if someone says, you know what, Uncle, you spend time with random people doing random things and none of that matters. And the reason I'll feel bad is because I know that I want to be seen as someone who does not do random things, who actually does things towards a certain process, towards a certain direction. So the minute I feel that someone perceives my direction or my process as random, it instantly reflects on what I want the world to think of me. But the beauty is, because I'm aware of this, because I know this about myself, now if someone were to say that, why are you spending your Saturday evening five to six for some podcast? I'd be like, because I want to. Because I know you're trying to make me angry or maybe you're just trying to be nice and watching out for me and I might be feeling some sensation of anger. But guess what? I know why I'm feeling that way. And because I know it, I don't have any social pressure to behave in a certain way. So this to me is the, is the big thing, knowing yourself and knowing why you behave the way you do. If you know that, you suddenly don't feel any pressure because there isn't anyone that you are attending to, no one's validation that you're seeking, no person that you're trying to please. You're just doing it because you are you. And and you're covering a very important point as well about self-awareness because our our topic mostly is revolving around you knowing yourself and you becoming self-aware. But it's it's easier said than done, right? Like how do you become self-aware? Like what do you think? What has worked for you? What how do you become self-aware? You I understand you said why 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 is the question, but how do you do that? Do you need a a kind of a setup or find your own place? How can that process look like? Three ways. Number one, and the most important and perhaps impactful one is you spend time with people who are nothing like you. The more time you spend with people who are like you, you're not going to know yourself because they will just agree to whatever you say. It's like social media. You open up Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. It tells you stuff that you already know and believe in. It doesn't challenge your perspective. It just endorses your perspective. So there is nothing that you know. It's like the famous quote, which is, you will never learn anything from anyone who says yes to you <laughs> because you won't. Sure. So you first have to consciously, as a disciplined manner, <clears throat> spend time with people who are nothing like you. Number two is when in, you go through that journey of why, 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 you don't ever lie to yourself because that's the only person you can't lie to. So you're never trying to make the answer look pleasing or comfortable or or the answer should be somewhat making you happy and not challenging you. So the same thing that you do with spending time with people who are not like you, you do it with your own self. And that is why could this be the case? And you make a list of everything. And you don't know what the right answer is, but you just keep asking. Why this? Why this? Why this? Why this? And you don't lie. You don't lie to yourself because there's nothing that you will get by lying to yourself. Mm. So that's the second thing that you do. And the third one, which again is a big one, and it's a hard one to escape, is the path to self-awareness is to constantly be aware of the fact that 
you sit on opportunities that had nothing to do with you. You were just lucky. And you're constantly reminding yourself of what it led you to. It's like going back to the same thing that I started with. Because we were born in a certain family that took care of us, that gave us love, food, shelter, and upbringing, education. Uh, we sit on opportunities that most people around us are not yeah. going to witness even for the second of our lives. So don't get entitled. Don't ever feel that you deserve to be where you are. That because you've worked so hard to be where you are, you are where you are. Because that's a lie. It, And it's not about acknowledging all the hard work that you've put in. It's not about dismissing everything that has gone towards getting you to where you are. But it is about appreciating the fact that you can't take things for granted. You have to keep working every single day to hopefully get to a point where you say, I deserve to be where I am. And when you look around, or at least when I look around the world, you see that we complain for so many useless things in life. Swiggy late agaya complaining, Uber late agaya complaining, network take nature complaining, Netflix stream or I complaining, something happening, complaining, 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 complaining. And complaining only comes from a point where you think that the world owes you something. That's why you're complaining. And when you are in that mindset, you will never get to know who you are. You will never be aware of all the things that work to make you as a concept, as an identity, as an individual possible. So that complaining is the biggest roadblock to self-awareness. And how about a person finding guys or people who don't agree with you? Like, as you said, the first and most important point, surround yourself with people that are nothing like you. So where do we find people like this and how do we approach them? How, how can that be? They are all they are all around us, yeah. We're just dismissive of them. That's the truth. They are people at our workplace. They are people in our college. They are people like, so go back to the first day that you entered college. So go back to the first day when you entered your company. And in the first 15 minutes itself, you looked at some people and you're like, no. What on? In case Saad to hang out, nahi ho What on? In case Saad relate, nahi kar those are the people that you have to hang out with. Because something about them, the way they look, the way they talk, the way their experiences have been shaped up, their worldviews, they are different from yours. So different that you don't want anything to do with them. And you spend time with them not for the purpose of agreeing with them, not for the purpose of aligning yourself to their thought, but to make yourself aware of the world that they come from and witness. It's uh, to give you a, a rather stupid example, not stupid, but let's say slightly trivial is I, I often ask people, how many of you follow Indian politics regularly? And there may be some who do. I said, great. Um, how many of you follow Pakistan politics regularly? And almost none of them raise their hand. And I'm like, how is it possible that you follow politics in a democracy so keenly, but you would not follow the politics of something which is your neighbor and perhaps fall at the other end of the spectrum? Why would you not do that? Like, why would you not want to hear the point of view of a politician 
who calls the bullshit out on Indian democracy. Because it's not that they're dumb. It's not that they're stupid. They're coming in from a point of view that maybe you dismiss. Just hear them out. But if you don't do that, then you're just getting consumed in your own echo chamber. And you can call that anything. You can replace politics with sports and you can replace sports with music. It doesn't matter. If you are a Jagjit Singh fan, have you ever spent time with someone who is a complete diehard Iron Maiden or a Guns N' Roses fan? And if the answer is no, then you don't fully appreciate what music can do. You're just following a fake religion. But you don't know what the basis of faith and religion is uh, to just make a figure of uh, a statement of speech here. So I think that we just dismiss, as I said, people who we think are at the other end of the spectrum from us. And it's just an excuse of, oh, we don't know where to find these people. Now, you read a lot of books as well, right? Which are your top three books or top three books that you would recommend my listeners to read which can help them? One for entrepreneurship, one, one for uh, leading a successful life, just a life. It could be a happy life, not nothing literally professional. And third could be your favorite book, any favorite book. So so let me start with the third one. Not favorite, okay. but the one that I've gifted the most. Yeah, okay. So the book that I've gifted the most is this book called Rework. Mm. It is, uh, it's a fascinating book. It's by two authors, Jason Pride and DHH. They are the founders of this company called Basecamp. Mm. And the book has, while it has a startup or an entrepreneurial connotation, I think that's a book for life. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. And I strongly recommend it, and I never shy away from gifting it to anyone. The other one for entrepreneurs, I feel a great book is a book that I personally benefited from, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. It's a book by this guy called Ben Horowitz. He is the founder and the partner of one of the most successful venture capital firms in the world called A16Z. And he has written this book about entrepreneurship, which is about the truths about entrepreneurship. Mm. And he says it's a hard thing. It's not as easy and rosy as people make it out to be. It is an intensely hard thing. So that's the second one. And uh, for life in general, bunch of books. The one that I particularly like is a book called uh, The Guide to Good Life. Mm. It's by an author whose last name is Irwin. I forget his first name. It's basically an introduction to this philosophical concept called stoicism. Mm, and okay. It's an introduction to how stoicism, which originated in ancient Greece, mm -hmm. uh, is a way of living life. And I figured that most of my personal beliefs around life and personal ways of doing things are very similar to how stoicism also thinks about it. So these will be my three books if i had to start okay and what about people who want to become let's say influencers as i said right consistency with regards to creating a content and different platforms or somebody who's listening to audio audio video video but any other practical methods that they should strategize so that they can become influencers and the message can reach out to more targeted audience i uh, in addition to consistency the big one is authenticity be yourself and be natural. People want to see humans at the other end and not Superman and Superwoman. 
they want to see people who are comfortable being vulnerable they want to see people who are okay admitting their mistakes who are okay in being proven wrong so it always helps if you are authentic if you are able to bring your natural self and third is think of creativity as a process don't think of creativity as a flash in the pan that happens and doesn't happen at times and you don't control it it is a process which means you have to set the machinery for the content to be produced in a manner that is very predictable that is delivering high quality or desired quality in regular intervals so i personally for instance create content where we have i have a team that helps me now and it's a team of interns and they have their day jobs and they have their other things that they do in life as well uh, but they spend some bit of time with me and all that we do is we have this machinery where i would devote time once every week to shoot all the videos that we have to produce for all the platforms do it in one go because then i'm in the zone and once that is done there is this process that takes over which over a two week period makes those content pieces ready for distribution across all the platforms and this approach is something that works really well and it just makes it very very straightforward and easy for people to to deliver i love your honest answer uh, uncle when you actually say you know that this is what i'm doing right now i've heard people tell you know do this do that but when people actually share that you know this is what i do one go i record for an entire month for two months and then people sit and edit that out and again you you again raised up subtle in a very subtle way you also said that you know you have interns who are actually taking it which means if you really find you know that if you really want to do something you you will find some way out right and in one go it's not necessary that every single day you have to work because some day you may feel like it some day you may not but if you are one go shooting all of it together it will make your life easier that's how i record my podcast i make sure that at least on one specific day i at least have four or five different podcast interviews so that that day i'm just blown by the new and new concept new new thought that i come across and that that's an amazing tip uh now you understand the importance of growth mindset uh, uncle right that's the name of my podcast and that's what i want to promote to all the indians the indian listeners out there so what do you think people can do to develop this growth mindset anything that we have not covered i think it's it's mostly the things that we have covered uh, the yeah. growth mindset is not some big farce that only very smart people can get to it is the recognition that a growth mindset is essentially the realization and the acceptance that you were not born with fixed capability that there is limitless potential and thus limitless opportunities and it takes a certain mindset to consistently and continuously keep thinking like that which is if one thing stops for you or comes in front of you as a roadblock or as a hurdle you don't then think of oh my god my capability is limited to only dealing with this and now i can't go beyond it is like anything is possible so what else can i do and where else can i go and how does one develop this mindset i feel is is a great study of how habit can get formed because i've seen in my personal case where i was a fixed mindset guy for the longest time 
had a very set notion about what I wanted to do in life. I had a very set path about how I wanted to get there. And everything else was a distraction. Everything else was something that I didn't want to indulge in. And I looked down upon people who indulged in things that were outside of what I thought was the right ambition and goal and process towards life, which is such a poor, parochial, narrow way of looking at life. And I think my first introduction, real life introduction to the growth mindset was when I went to the US. Because that's when I saw an entire culture, an ecosystem built to encourage the growth mindset, where it was not something that was said, ki tum karoge, to mein it was more like, you have to work towards it. It doesn't happen by itself. So it was more of an ownership driven culture. And it had massive opportunities. It was like, you can be whosoever you want to be. You could waste your entire life doing nothing. And that is available. You could slog your entire life and become the wealthiest person on, on earth. And that's also available. And anything in between. So that just opened my mind. And when I came back to India and then did my MBA, that one year really helped. And then from there on, it has just been this constant, I'd say, journey of of just behaving in a certain way that is nothing is limited. Nothing is restricted. Anything and everything is possible. You just have to have that courage to work towards it and be completely self-aware that when you feel a certain way, why are you feeling that way? And if I were to just summarize what has helped me in the growth mindset, it is one, as I said, to spend time with people who are nothing like me. Like today, I'm 40 years old. And I think half of my working hours today are spent with people who are between 18 to 24. And it's a whole new world. Yeah, I am discovering a completely new <laughs> way of looking at life. And I'm fascinated by what I see. I am also quite worried about what I see, but it is helping me see the world in a very different way than if I were to hang out with people my age who are all speaking the same things and all discussing the same. So that's number one. Number two is never getting entitled, never complaining. You have no reason to complain. I don't have any reason to complain at least in my life. And number three is don't get comfortable. Don't, don't ever do things periodically, which have a very high success probability. Because if you're just doing things regularly with very high probability of success, you're just doing it comfortably. You're not putting yourself up to enough challenge for you to know what is it that you don't know today. True. And you, you said that you know, you're obviously hanging out a lot with 18 to 24 years age group. You're seeing, you're talking to a lot of people. I'm seeing that. But uh, what is one thing that you're noticing that people come to you with that specific concern which you know that that is concerning and that that's a worrisome and how would you address that to, to, the, to my listeners i don't know how you would address it but the concern that i see visibly is that people are constantly comparing themselves to everyone else and feeling that they're inadequate mm-hmm. and it's happening at a scale that the world has never seen before because the truth is there will always be millions of people who are better than you but when we were growing up when i was growing up 
I didn't know of. And my entire circle was people in my school in my neighborhood. That's it. So, yeah, there were five, ten people who were smarter than me, maybe even more. But that's okay. Because I was like, okay, there are still some 30 people who are not smarter than me. True. But now suddenly when you see millions of people True. who are smarter than you, or at least pretending to be smarter than you, or have a life that seems to be happier than you, or have a life that seems to be made up of more things and stuff than you do, you suddenly feel that you are the only dumb person in the entire world. And, and that is very damaging. That is immensely damaging. And, and that is worrisome because it's like there is, there's no way that you can control it. The only thing is hope in hell that they don't get affected by it so deeply. And at some point of time, when they're 30, 35, 40, they realize it themselves that all that they had been believing so far was just not true. Okay. And I know we are coming to the end of the uh, interview, but there's one last question that I want to ask Uncle. Now, uh, let's imagine, now you're 40 years old, right? Let's imagine 10, 15, 20 years from now, right? Uh, 30 years from now. It's time for you to close your chapter in this world and then start, if you believe in that, you know, go to the next life and all of that. But now let's say you have to give two practical advice to your kids. Only two, right? One would be reference to personal and second professional. What those two advice will be to your kids? Uh, I, I wouldn't differentiate between personal and professional. I would, I would just say two things. One is always be respectful of people, irrespective of who they are, how they look, how they talk, where they've come from, what their income is, what their name is, what their age is. And number two, don't ever accept the world's definition of success as yours. You make your own definition of success. I think if these two things are there, they're sorted. Perfect. So thank you so much, Ankur, for taking your time out and joining us on the podcast. It was an honor to have you here. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. I had a lovely time. This brings us to the end of this episode and hope you at least had one takeaway from this interview. If you have any questions or want to talk to me personally, you can find me at www.silavatirshad.com. See you soon.